I am a woman. I am a woman. I am a woman. I am a single voice. I am a single voice. I am a single voice. And I and I and I, and I will be heard. You're listening to the Vital Voices podcast. I'm Elise Nelson. So I'm here in India uh, with two of the fellows who've been uh, part of the VV Lead program over the last year and a half. They are two women who are great defenders of our environment and really looking at the nexus between people and communities and safeguarding our environment. Let me introduce them and we'll get into our discussion. Daniela Poliani is uh, the director of Amazon Conservation. And Sheba Sen leads Alap People's Foundation. So let's start with you, Daniela. Tell us a little bit about your work and how you got into it. So um, I've always been passionate about nature. I was um, raised in the Italian Alps and always developed this really uh, strong bond to forest and natural environment. Nature gave me my happiest moment in my childhood. Mm. Um, so I've always been um, an environmentalist at heart. And then I, my life took me onto a completely different path. I was working in finance. I was working in a big <laughs> corporate environment. And I always felt something was missing. So at one point in my life, I found myself working in Peru um, really by chance. It happened. And then um, I go into a very normal life until um, a time in 2010 when I went through a big crisis. I lost my job at a time when my husband had also lost his job. Wow. We had two kids. And um, we were asking what we're going to do. And then this uh, big NGO comes up to me and said, oh, we're actually looking for a finance person. Would you be willing to try yourself in a completely different environment, uh, working for conservation, but applying all your corporate financial skills? And I said, really? This is too good to be true. It's like... <laughs> And that's the start of my, um, like, actually working conservation. I was able to use my professional skills that were developed in a completely different setting um, and apply to what has been my passion throughout all my life. Mm. So that's where I am right and now. And what does the organization do? Because so, now you're not the finance person. You're no, the director. <laughs> yes. So we work to protect the Amazon. Mm. Um, we have a very holistic approach to the Amazon. So we work through science, and so uh, we um, apply for scholarship for students, we host students, we buy land and we protect the land, mm. we work with the government to actually make sure that the land that is, for example, on the national park is well managed and wow. protected from threats and encroachments, and we also work with everyone that called the forest their home. So we have lots of indigenous people, indigenous community, campesino community, and all those people that really depend on a healthy environment and a healthy forest for their well-being. Mm. So um, it's a very holistic approach. We don't only look at one aspect of the environment. The environment is around us. The environment provides food, water, hair, health, education, and a lot of you know, all these aspects that are very important for somebody to live a happier and uh, more sustainable life. Mm. Shiba, I know you are more recently developed your organization. Mm. So tell us a little bit about the path. How did you come to, to found an organization that's about protecting the environment? 
Yeah, I think uh, the first thing I'd like to say that it's not in the plan. Um, it's really beautiful when things happen. Mm. So uh, somewhere, um, you know, I believe that the forest is, a forest is always inside us. And for me, it emerged. So uh, I love trees. I've always loved forests. But I've been raised in an Indian city, like in Delhi. And which uh, at my, when I was younger, there were a lot many more trees than there are now. So I have experienced this transition in a very non-forest environment or what I was personally feeling when I didn't have those trees when I had it when, when I was younger. Mm. So it's a very, um, and that somehow stayed within me. And I've been in the development space for the last eight years of my life, where I've been working with rural communities, especially in the Himalayas, where we work on livelihoods, we work on health, we work on education. Um, but these communities are people who are living amongst forests. They are very closely connected with nature. So for me, for me, it was the root cause of what is leading to their quality of life, that choice, lack of choice, that lack of dignity. And it was a moment when I took the decision that I'm going to channelize my love for trees towards helping bringing back the mm. forests that matter most to the rural people in mm. India. I love countryside. I love working with people. I love working with children and women. And I love trees. So it was really a combination of that that I seized the opportunity a mm. year and a half ago. You know, I remember that. a number of years ago, I was interviewing Nobel Peace Prize winner Wangari Mathai. And I was so lucky that I had the opportunity to, to meet her and spend an hour talking to her um, before she passed um, a few years back. And I remember she said, you know, when I grew up, our family really had no money, but we were wealthy. Because we had the environment. We had the trees. We had the land. We could live off the land. We didn't need anything more than that. So I grew up feeling that I was wealthy because I never went hungry. I was never cold. And I was always surrounded by this beauty that inspired me. Yeah. And she said, then I watched the tree line go further back and further back and further back. And it has left you know, rural communities, indigenous communities around the world yeah. in poverty. So talk a little bit about how that disproportionately um, affects women, women and girls. Yeah, so um, women, are <clears throat> we all know they're largely marginalized in the world. They're marginalized socially. We talk about them. We, they're marginalized economically. But really what I feel that the world should think more about, that they are marginalized ecologically as well. Mm. Because uh, if I had to throw in numbers, we can get that off anywhere these days. Most majority poor people in the world, they live in rural areas. Mm. And for a person who lives in the village, it's their natural resources that are their lifelines, mm. which is the forest, the grazing lands, water. Mm -hmm. Everything depends on that. They can grow their food if they have water. They can grow their food if they have leaf litter for compost. They can grow their food if they can feed their cattle on grazing land with fodder and then they, you know, it's a mm -hmm. cycle. So um, women are at the forefront of raising their families, of looking after the household and they are the ones who are spending most time in the forests as well. And they are also the people who are most receptive and welcoming to new thoughts, to new 
to change. They really want to change. Their voices are not heard. Mm. So women, while they are affected the most because they are left with everything to do, they are also the people that should be invested in the most because they'll be most receptive to that. Mm. And they think about the future because they are mothers, you know, they are nurturing. Mm. A man is not often thinking about the future. Mm. And also because of gender inequalities and all, the men get away with it. Often the woman doesn't have a choice but to think of the long term. Mm-hmm. So, Daniela, you've um, been in this space longer. And uh, I'd, love, I'd love to know your perspective on, on does environmental degradation disproportionately affect women and girls? But also, what do you see as the greatest challenge and the greatest opportunity as we look forward so definitely, as Shiva was saying, you know, uh, most of the time, especially in rural and indigenous community, you see women needing to provide for their family to care about the health of their children, uh, which most of the time gets worse because they're not living in a healthy, balanced environment. And they um, also have a deeper, more emotional connection to their environment um, rather than a practical one. So you really see uh, women that really suffer for this environment around them becoming less and less um, uh, uh, livable. So I think it's, it is a great challenge because sometimes we're so focused on the present and so focused on the immediate needs that we forget that the environment is like the Pope Pascoli, our common home. So if we don't take care of our common home, um, which home are we going to live or we're going to have to live in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. So I think that's really important. Um, we, we need to move from the immediate right now. I want to live right now and I want to have some immediate benefits from like, what is my life going to look like in 10 years? Am I going to be able to drink some clean water? breathe air and have access to, um, you know, the food that I need, not only for me, but for future generation. I think women have this connection to the future um, that really makes them in a better position to think more long-term. So mm. yeah. in my experience with the work that we do, especially with indigenous and rural people, women are the ones that save. People are, uh, women care about, you know, not having this for today, but having it for tomorrow and the mm-hmm. day after mm-hmm. tomorrow. You know, they, they think in a more strategic way without even knowing it. You know, mm-hmm. they, they think more into the future. They think about more permanent solution. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty of working with women, that they have the na- this natural um, ability and tendency to be more in the future and to think about more stable solution and also community solution. Usually women mm-hmm. don't think about themselves. They think about their children and their community. Yeah. So they naturally invest in communities. The biggest challenge, the biggest opportunity, in just a few words. Um, I think the biggest challenge for me is for everyone to understand that the environment is not something that is out there and doesn't matter. It matters to you every day, uh, whether you you know it or not. And the biggest challenge that I've seen, and the biggest opportunity that I've seen, is that young girls, women, and children are more and more responsive 
to this environmental crisis and they're trying to play their mm-hmm. part. So I think we really need to invest in the future generations. I think that people think about the environment as such a huge challenge. Yeah. And, oh, if not, not everyone does their part, then yeah. it's not going to make a difference, right? And, oh, is it so far gone that we can't fix it? Mm-hmm. But, of course, you spend your lives making sure mm-hmm. it gets fixed, right, mm-hmm. for the next generation. For those people listening, what is one or two things, easy things that they can do, incorporate into their life to better safeguard, protect the environment for future generations? Well, I hope we say that even the smallest uh, change in your daily actions can make a difference. So maybe you don't go to the Amazon to protect the Amazon, but you care about how much water you use. You uh, reduce the number of waste you produce. You use less your car and you just... Um, work with your community members and your local government to have more green areas for people to thrive. So I think everyone can have a real important part to play. And we also have to make our voices heard because sometimes we we, we tend to think, oh, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to complain because nobody's going to care and nobody's going to listen. That's not true. If Mm. you raise your voices together, you even small action can create big waves of change. Mm. Wonderful. And go hug a tree. Go hug a tree. (laughs) It it, it really may sound ridiculous, but it isn't if you try it, and especially with children. It's a real gift. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for your work and for joining us. And I know that the two of you really bonded through the VV Lead program, so that's always wonderful for us to hear as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Vital Voices podcast. To learn more about Vital Voices, visit vitalvoices.org. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Vital Voices, on Instagram at Vital Voices, and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Vital Voices. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.